I'm Savitra Wilson, and it's my pleasure to introduce you to my podcast, From Solid Ground to Resilient. It's been a while, and I'm super excited to announce season two of From Solid Ground to Resilient. It's been an interesting journey. As, as I've said before, starting a podcast is crazy, right? Because you're trying to think of all these things that you want to include. Uh, my first season, I had on so many great guests who shared their most intimate moments and thoughts with us all. Yet, I really feel like I missed out on a few elements that I was hoping to bring to you through this podcast, and that's my daily walk as an entrepreneur. So for season two, I hope to do just that. While we are preparing for season two coming in just a few short weeks, I wanted to drop a never-before-listened-to bonus episode with fellow founder Denise Woodard of Partake Foods, sponsored by Philips Latte Go Machine. If you follow me on Instagram, you already know Denise and Partake because I'm always posting their delicious cookies, but they have other food items as well. So if you're into baking, you like whipping up some cupcakes, you know, all of their recipes are gluten-free, vegan, and oh so yummy. But also, Denise is such an inspiring founder, one you'll want to follow as well. I'm so happy to be an investor in Partake Foods alongside some of other notable investors, such as Circle Up Growth uh, Partners, Jay-Z's Fund Marcy Venture Partners, and even Rihanna. So your girl, Denise, yeah, her company is blowing up, is taking off, and I'm so excited to be able to watch and participate and help however I can. To date, Partake has raised over $6 million in venture capital, and I know personally that Denise is proud to say that a significant portion of her investor funds comes from people of color and Black investors. But that's just the beginning of Denise's incredible story. So let's hear the rest from her. Denise, I'm so excited to welcome you to From Solid Ground to Resilient. Um, this is a podcast where I share the stories and really just have conversations with founders like myself and founders who look nothing like me, who come from various uh, other backgrounds. Um, and just kind of starting us off, I would love to ask you a little bit about your background and where you come from. So even before Partake, before the company, before you go to college, just your overall background. Sure thing. I'm excited for this conversation today and I'll start at the beginning. I'm from Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, my dad was a soldier in the U.S. Army and my mom is a Korean immigrant and they met when he was stationed in Korea and settled in Fayetteville. Um, my dad was an over-the-road truck driver, and so he would be gone for weeks at a time, but it was my first uh, view into what entrepreneurship was like, which was that it could afford your family success, um, but also came with a lot of hard work and a lot of not glamorous moments. Um, neither of my parents graduated from high school, and so hard work and education was something that was instilled in me from day one. Um, and after graduation, I attended the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill and then started a career in corporate America because the other direction I received was go get a secure corporate job, max out your 401k and don't leave till they tell you it's time to retire. And so I didn't know that entrepreneurship uh, would be in my future and had the opportunity to work at a few different corporations, um, Philip Morris, FedEx and Coca-Cola. Oh, that's amazing. So two things that we have in common. One, 
My stepdad was actually a truck driver and he drove trucks for Winn-Dixie actually for such a large portion of his um, his life. Um, and then secondly, I'm a first generation college student. I know that. And so both of neither of our parents in the college and yet here we are entrepreneurship and they also pressed upon me. Um, you need to ensure that you can pay your bills and take care of yourself and via a very stable career path you know, that's the way you should go. And so you obviously did go through, get to entrepreneurship, um, even though you went through the corporate lens. So how is that um, just being in corporate environment and how is that different from now being an entrepreneur? Sure. So I enjoyed my career in corporate America, um, particularly my experience at Coke. I was there about eight years. In the first few years, I spent working in a variety of sales and marketing roles. Um, on trademark brands like Coke, Diet Coke, Sprite, and Pepsi. Or, oh, oh my God, Pepsi would be like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> not Pepsi, uh, by the way. <laughs> it's been a long day already. Um, and my husband, Jeremy, and I started thinking about having a family. And while I was really proud of those brands, they weren't ones that I would necessarily choose to feed my child or that I felt great about. And so I love the company. I love the people that I worked with. And I had the opportunity to move over to their venturing and emerging brands group where brands like Honest Tea and Zico Coconut Water sat, brands that Coke had either invested in or acquired. And I think that really opened up my entrepreneurial eyes because while the founders were really smart and really hardworking, it showed me that regular people who were passionate about a problem um, could have success and create really meaningful impact and, and change in the world. And I didn't have a scalable idea, though. I'd always had a side hustle. I had a ticket brokering business for a while. I had an eBay business for a while, but I didn't really have anything that was scalable. And then my daughter came along and she's six now, but right after her first birthday, uh, we realized that she had a lot of food I was really frustrated with the options that existed. Um, and at the urging of our, our babysitter who has some equity in the company um, mm. and who complained about my daughter's boring diet, I left my career at Coke and launched Partake in August of 2017. Oh, that's amazing. So technically you worked in the food space for a while, um, even I, before launching your own company. I did. And I think that was it gave me enough knowledge to be dangerous. I knew how to speak the language. I understood the discounts and the margins. I didn't understand how different corporate America was than having than being an entrepreneur. I had resources coming out of my ears. There were people to help with everything. There was money. And this is so different. Even at the stage where we've raised our Series A now, the amount of resources that you have at a company like Coca-Cola doesn't even compare to, to what you have when you're an entrepreneur. Yes. And correct me if I'm wrong. And this is the thought that comes to mind, just talking to so many people who have gone from corporate America to entrepreneurship is that they always seem to have some background oftentimes in sales and marketing. And I feel like that's like maybe like the entrepreneurial foundation of you have to be able to sell your own product. You have to be able to like market your own product. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but I keep hearing that as like a reoccurring theme, um, but would love to talk a little bit about that transition from the corporate world into entrepreneurship um, and what are some of the key outside of resources, right? But thinking about like that transition, um, 
in the light of not having those resources, having to be like scrappy, you talk about the idea, if you can, like bootstrapping and staying lean as possible. So we'd love to explore that a little bit. Sure thing. So when we launched in August of 2017, we launched with three flavors of self-funded, self-distributed brand, which meant we were dipping into my family savings and I was selling cookies out of my car. Um, And it was important to me that we started really small because one, I knew that it would be really hard for me to raise money because I just didn't have the network or social capital that would make it uh, easy for me to raise money. So I knew that we needed to have a lot more traction than maybe some of our counterparts would have. And so I think the other thing that was important was that I wanted to make sure I understood every part of the business. It was embarrassing to me at first because somebody would email like marketing at Partake and accounting at Partake and sales at Partake and it would all be me. (laughs) But it forced me to learn the business inside out and get really comfortable and understand where every penny was going, which I think has made me a better business person. And so while that time was really difficult, I think it's one of the reasons that our business still exists and has thankfully been thriving. Now, most people, I was one of those kids who also had severe allergies like your daughter. Um, Now, my mom just tried to keep me away from those foods (laughs) for the most part, which didn't go well often, whether it was peanuts. I was even allergic to grass. It was just, it was pretty bad as a kid. Um, But you took it one step further and was like, okay, I'm going to start creating my own foods um, for my child. And that parlayed into partake. Um, What was that process like? And was it like immediate? Like, okay, we're going to start you know, cooking our own food here. We're going to start eliminating um, all of these additives that we traditionally um, come in across, right? It's just eating on a day-to-day basis. So we learned about her food allergies really kind of in a trial by fire way. She was about seven months old and it was her first Thanksgiving and she'd had a baked macaroni dish that had egg in it. And a few hours after eating it, she ended up throwing up like 14 times in five hours. And we had to take her to the emergency room. And by the time we got there, she was totally fine. And they were like, oh, it's just like a stomach bug. She must have eaten something bad. And I didn't think anything of it. And then a few weeks later, she had egg again and something similar happened. And so I realized that there must be something more there. And she was young to test for food allergies, but we took her in for testing. And we learned that she was allergic to tree nuts and eggs and bananas. Um, but not peanuts. And so the doctor suggested that we introduce peanuts as quickly as possible. And I will never forget this day. It was a Wednesday afternoon. I was on a conference call and we were giving her a peanut snack. Martha was giving her a snack that was made with just peanuts and corn oil. And as soon as she tried it, her lips started to swell up. Her tongue started to swell up. She turned blue in our living room. And thank God that we'd known about the other food allergies. So so we had an EpiPen on hand. And that's what really woke me up to how severe food allergies could be and how they were going to impact our life for the rest of our life as we knew it. I think previously growing up, I didn't know anyone with allergies. I did it as my husband. I was like, oh, well, she just stay away from it. If she eats it, it'll be fine. We'll just, and when I saw how close the line between life and death is for someone who has severe food allergies, I realized that we needed to take them very seriously. And I also realized um, how much of an impact food has on our everyday life. And so we started paying really close attention to her diet. And then Martha was like, whoa, you took it too far in the other direction. You give your daughter nothing fun. All she eats is like lean protein (laughs) and fruits and vegetables. And I started complaining about how all of the allergy-friendly snacks that I could find, I didn't like the nutritional labels. Vivian, my daughter, didn't like the taste of. And then most of all, like, 
the brands weren't very cool. They were providing a safe solution for people with food allergies, but no one without food allergies would willingly choose to eat them. I started to think about how like every single thing she did, whether it was play dates or birthday parties or holiday celebrations would include food. And if she couldn't participate confidently, how that would wear on and create really negative feelings around food for her. Um, and for the other millions of other people who have food allergies, just like her. And I told Martha all of this and her response was you should start a food company. And that is where the idea came from. So are you a coffee lover like me? One must for me in the morning is making a cup of my favorite espresso drink. My choice these days is a macchiato latte that I make at home with my Philips espresso machine with Latte Go. It's hands down the most used appliance I have in my home. The Philips espresso machine with Latte Go is an easy to use automated coffee machine that will surely help jumpstart your morning with 12 full flavored drinks to choose from, from Cafe Latte. Espresso, coffee, Americano, cappuccino, and more. Bring the fresh aroma of coffee into your home every morning with the touch of a button. Press pause with Phillips. So you started a food company, um, Partake Foods. You started with a cookie as the first um, product. And how has that evolved since? From the product, you know, I have the brownie mix now. You know, I'm... And I'm always like referencing to my friends. So now when they're in Target, they're like, oh my gosh, I found these cookies. Like I walked right past. I was like, oh, I had to get some because they they remember me mentioning it or they had it at my home. And people are always just like amazed that it's gluten-free. You know, it doesn't have all these additives in it and the cookies are so good. But starting from the beginning and how you've gotten to this point. Well, we failed horribly in the kitchen initially. I realized why so many of the gluten-free vegans have the same ingredients because it's really hard to formulate without those things. Um, thankfully, thanks to some good old LinkedIn stalking, I was able to find a woman um, who is a food scientist who was able to bring my vision to life, who we still work with to this day. And so we grew from three flavors of cookies at the start till we now have eight flavors of cookies all year round, three seasonal flavors. We just launched two baking mixes, brownie mix, and we have... Um, four new categories of products that we'll be going into over the next year. So really excited to see how things have grown um, fairly quickly after what seemed like, like a slog and like really a grind at the beginning when I was selling cookies out of a car for a year. Yeah. A big, a big change from then. And you've also expanded your footprint into um, hundreds of more stores. And so if you're listening to this, you can find partake uh, cookies and and some of them you can get online as well. So if you don't have them actually in your store, you can get them via the website. That's correct. And otherwise you can find us in Trader Joe's, Target, Kroger, Whole Foods, Sprouts, and the Fresh Market. <laughs> so how was 2020 for the company? I know you've grown, you've raised additional capital as well. Um, but even before that, something that you mentioned earlier I want to talk about is like the um, food inequity overall. Um, I know that you all have a food equality initiative and it kind of speaks back to the idea. And particularly I feel like in, in black communities to the point, like my mom, she just tried to like remove those foods from my diet, which was not, it wasn't successful. Let me tell you, <laughs> she was not successful at doing it. Or it's just like, Oh, you'll grow out of it after mm -hmm. you've kind of suffered for years. If you ever grow out of it. 
<laughs> and did so, you end up growing out of allergies? I did grow out of it um, for the most part. For the most part, there are certain things that I can't have a ton of, just depending on what it is. And I try to like limit like milk and things of that nature, like dairy. Um, but eventually, I grew out of it. But for the majority of my childhood, you know, I was trying to <laughs> avoid foods that I would have such a adverse reaction to. Um, and I feel like that is so much like the plight of families because they don't have access or they don't even know about alternatives or are educated on it. And so I know that. You know, I was reading on your side related to um, your conversation around food equality. And yeah, I would love to know a little bit about that. And like, what does that mean in the bigger picture of things when we think about like the future of food? Sure thing. So when I started Partake, that name came from the idea of people with food allergies being able to partake. And then as a woman and as a Black person and as a first-time founder, I realized there's a lot of other people who don't have options opportunity underestimated and overlooked and how could we support those communities and so one of the ways that we do that is through our work with the food equality initiative they're a nonprofit that was started in Kansas City by Emily Brown a black woman whose family was experiencing food insecurity and had the double whammy of having kids with food allergies and she went to our local food bank and there was only two things that her kids could safely eat potatoes and tomatoes and so they're organization does the work of getting allergy-friendly foods, which oftentimes costs a lot more than their normal counterparts to food insecure families. And so through our work with them in 2020, we were able to feed thousands of families um, through monetary give back, but also through product give back. And so our, our plan has been to double down on that relationship. We recently joined their 7% fund, which is named after the fact that Black children are 7% more likely to have food allergies than their white counterparts. Um, and so, you know, how, how can of making sure that these communities have access to the advocacy and the education and that the products that they deserve? Absolutely. I love that. And I love like how you've been so intentional about connecting what you're doing, your brand to still giving back to the community. Right. And just like building community. I feel like even with Partake, all of it is surrounded around like a community um, of people who are either being introduced, right, to something new and they're uh, adopting it, right, as now like their new community. <laughs> and that's how I think about it. You know, anytime I think about, okay, I need to just generally lead a healthier life. And I want the, my family members, my loved ones to also lead a healthier life, right? And I feel like I'm always introducing them into that community of individuals who feel the same way. Um, and do you feel like your community has expanded um, in, that, in that sense of people who reach out to me like, oh my gosh, you know, I've never thought that healthy food, I could enjoy it and my kids could enjoy it in this way. Definitely. So we found that about 70% of our customers don't actually have food allergies. They're just trying to make better food choices. They're inspired by our social mission efforts around diversity and inclusion. They just want a cookie that has ingredients that they understand. And so mm -hmm. it's been really exciting to see. And I think really speaks to the mission of what I set out to do it was not to create a food allergy brand. It was to create a brand that is inclusive and speaks to multiple communities and makes products that nearly everyone can eat safely and share together confidently. Absolutely. So on your journey, was there like a moment perhaps where you felt like, okay, how am I going to get beyond like this point, right? Are, are we going to be able to grow the company? And alternatively, 
was there a moment where you said, oh, this is it. Like we're, we're about to build something really big. Uh, we've had both. Um, thankfully, we've had more of the latter than the first. But I, I think um, from a moment of like not being able to go on and just wondering like what the next step would be, um, it was during the time we were raising our seed round of funding and we had raised some friends and family capital um, and it came in five and $10,000 checks. I was still pouring all of our money and from our savings account, I'd empty my 401k at that point. But our business results were really good. So I had confidence that we were onto something, but I was just having a hard time fundraising. Um, and we'd gotten nearly a hundred no's. We were down to less than $10,000 in the business checking account. And a conversation that we'd been having with Marcy Venture Partners, which is the, the venture fund that Jay-Z uh, co-founded, started to move more quickly and they ended up lead, leading our seed round of funding. And I think that changed their trajectory of our business. It was really interesting to see though, because we were the same product and the same founder and the same company. But then when the right person believed in us and opened so many doors for us. And I think that's one of the reasons I feel so compelled to make sure that we hold the door open for other people. Because I know how hard it is to be a woman, to be an underrepresented founder and to be navigating this very male, very white landscape. Um, and thankfully there were folks like Marcy who believed in us really early on. Um, that that really changed the trajectory of our business. And so that announcement was a, a definitely a pinch me moment. I think other ones along the way have been, you know, I remember the first time that my daughter, she was about three at the time, saw our cookies in a natural food store in, near where we live. And I was so excited. And then to be able to take her when she was five to our local Target and say like, look what we built out of our kitchen for you and see the excitement on her and pride on her face. That was a moment I will never forget. Um, and then the series A raise to be able to work with the partners we want to work with because we had proven ourselves and because we'd had the business success because thankfully someone on us early that we could then work with people who are aligned from a social mission perspective, from a values perspective, um, and be able to bring the right people around the table for our series. A we definitely felt a lot different than our seed round of funding and, and very much something I was grateful for. So it's so interesting that you say that because my seed round was also my hardest round to raise. Like that was the round when people were like, oh, do you ever think that you're going to fail? I was like, oh, my seed round. Mm -hmm. And very similarly, one individual changed the trajectory of my whole round, right? And that investment literally turned everything around. Although to your point, it was the same company I was the same founder. <laughs> I was pitching the same thing, right? <laughs> and I always tell like other founders, I was like, oh, it's, it just like speaks to how you have to just keep going because that one door might open and it'll really change everything around for you. Um, and so I think that's like really powerful to hear you say that. And, you know, that has been reflected in my journey as well. Um, but I actually remember you pitching at South by Southwest. Um, and I think it's like the new voices. Was it the yep. new voice? Yes. Uh -huh. And so it was a lot of people pitching um, for, for, the, for the funds. And I also had met a mutual friend of ours, like Harold at South by, although we had been following each other on social media for a long time. And I remember hearing you pitch and thinking, oh, she has it. And, but not just like the pitch, but I was like, her company, like she probably doesn't even need to be pitching up here. So even to hear you say that you still have the same company, you're pitching the same thing. It was just so obvious to me that you were not only a great founder, 
but had a great product that you had intentionally and thoughtfully created and that you were like going far. Like at that moment, listening to you on the stage, it was, it was obvious to me. Well, thank you. We had just received the term sheet from MVP a couple of days prior. So I was probably feeling really confident that week. <laughs> I love it. I love that. And I'm happy that everything came into place. And like you said, you also um, recently raised a Series A to continue to help with your growth. And oftentimes I tell people, you can raise, you can go out and build a company, you can bootstrap it, but at a point you want to scale right? That infusion of capital is oftentimes needed to be able to do that. Like you knew you had a great product, you knew you had traction, you were putting all your own money into it, but to do it at a scalable um, rate, you needed others to back and support you. Definitely so. And I think that's something I didn't understand. Like venture capital was so foreign to me. When I started the business, my goal was like, no, we just want to build a profit. Then when I saw how much we could unlock from a team building perspective, from an innovation perspective, from a distribution perspective with the additional capital and how much we could accelerate things, like it it made total sense. But when I started the business, I will admit, I never even thought about friends and family. I never thought past the friends and family round Mm -hmm. of raising capital. Yeah, yeah. And so when you think about um, things that you're looking forward to, um, as we move through 2021, as we try to get behind this pandemic, um, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to continuing to build a team. When we started 2020, I was the in January, I was the only full-time employee. We're 10 people now. We're 60% women, 70% Black. I'm so excited and proud of the team that we've built and to be able to continue to grow that. We have lots of new products coming out that are not cookies that I'm super excited about. Um, and I'm excited to be back in the world and, and seeing people like you and just being able to, to get back into the world and have some uh, togetherness. Absolutely. When I get back into my New York office and when you, you know, start moving around in New York as well, I'm going to come and knock on the doors. <laughs> yes, please. You are welcome anytime. <laughs> so kind of leaving us on what are some things that you can leave for other founders and entrepreneurs who are looking at your story and they're thinking like, man, how do I do that? Where do I start? What is some advice that you would give to them? Um, For me, I think some of the things that were helpful were I'm a bit of an introvert. And so I had to get really comfortable with being vulnerable and reaching out to folks I didn't know and asking for help and sharing what I was doing and just always being a salesperson for the business. Um, And so I found that having these informational calls was really helpful. But the ones that helped me the most were you know, I think it's really easy when your company's doing really well to be like, oh, just go raise money, just go do that. Whereas like somebody who's poured their last cent and their last blood, sweat and tears into something that may not have worked out for whatever reason can tell you all the things they wish they would have done differently. And so when you think about like, who is your knowledge base of people you're talking to, I think oftentimes like not just going after the shiny folks is something that was really helpful for me Um, to just get started. There's some like saying around, perfection is the prog is the enemy of progress or whatever that is. That's how I was living when I first started the business. Cause I feel like oftentimes like there's so much that's glamorized about entrepreneurship, whether it's the, the splashy launches and the big fundraises. And that's not what we launched with. It was like me pulling up to a storage unit and filling up the back of my car. And it felt like, am I doing something wrong? 
but it was so helpful and we wouldn't have the business that we do today had we not started in that small and scrappy way and actually just got started. Um, the things that I have found to be really helpful along the journey and just knowing that it's a journey, it's not a marathon, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon and enjoying every part of the way because there's, I spent so much time wishing away, like, you know, when I was selling cookies out of my car, I'd say, I can't wait till we get into Whole Foods. And we got into Whole Foods. I was like, I can't wait till we launch nationally. And now I can't go back and live those same things because Mm -hmm. the business is just at a different place. And so just enjoy the journey and appreciate it for what it is. Absolutely. And where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Denise G. Woodard, W-O-O-D-A-R-D. And you can find my company at Partake Foods across all social channels. Thank you. Thank you, Denise. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for answering some of my questions. And really, thank you for really being a part of those laying the ground for what we consider the future of food and making the world um, even better than what we received, right, as kids, as adults, and providing um, options and better options for us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to From Solid Ground to Resilient with me, your host, Savitra Wilson. If you like this show, subscribe, listen, and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This helps us reach more people like yourselves, risk takers, entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and the likes. Also, be sure to visit SavitraWilson.com and sign up for my newsletter. There you can download everything from my actual pricing sheets to pitch decks, capability statements, and more. All to help you get your entrepreneur wheels turning and your business growing. To learn more about my show and listen to all my podcast episodes, go to abfc.co backslash shows. Until next time, remember, even if no one sees it for you, you have to see it for yourself. Let your work be a testament to your grit, gratitude, passion, persistence, and most importantly, resiliency.